This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Hall, and today we have Ben Escrow back on the show. It's been a few years since we chatted, and as I'll say in the intro when I chat to Ben, he is my go-to guy for supplement deep dives, and he really thinks about supplements on a deeper level than most do, and I think you're going to get a lot from the chat today. And uh, in this episode, we talk about the challenges with influencer marketing uh, in regards to supplements and how you as a consumer can be more aware of where maybe to get your supplements from and who to trust. And as a reminder, guys, we have migrated the Improvement Season podcast. You'll notice if you are listening to this on your podcast provider that we no longer have the Improvement Season on this Revive Stronger podcast. We separated them for any confusion. For those of you who have no idea what the Improvement Season is, definitely go and search it on the podcast provider. You'll see me and Pascal chatting about general, our goals, uh, what we're doing in our life, and just kind of digging into some subjects. And it's a little bit of a different take than these experts interviews so if you want to go find that that's where it is and we'll be gladly having your ears over there too but without further ado let's get into the chat today hi guys welcome back to the revive stronger podcast i'm your host as always steve hall and today i've been escrow back on the show i can't quite believe it's been about three years since we chat like this because it never feels that long of it's been a for the like loyal listeners who check in re, like regularly i'll have said this a few times with some of the guests that just come on where i'm like how's it been three years it was episode 168 and we're like on don't know 300 and something now so if you don't know who ben is uh, he is absolutely my go-to guy for any kind of supplement deep dives um, because he just knows that area incredibly well. He has an MS in pharmacy and it is the formulator for elemental formulations who maybe some of the audience won't be aware of because Omar and he's big over on YouTube. So I'm sure many people are aware of him and they should also be aware of yourself, Ben. And yeah, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to come on and it'll be fun catching up and having a chat. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to know that somebody wanted to have me back. So I take that as the, <laughs> as, as a as a great compliment and... It's crazy to me that it's been three years as well, but uh, I hope that it's three years uh, better informed and and we could uh, provide value in 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 the next uh, hour or so we have here too. And actually, I I should mention I imagine a lot of the listeners listen to the Iron Culture podcast, so you have been on there relatively recently with uh, Eric and Omar. So I kind of got my little bit of a dose of you over there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I hope that there's overlaps of audiences and. I like to always try to give something new and different when whenever we talk about supplements because I think the reality of supplements is it, it, there's such a diverse space and there's so many areas you could kind of dive into. So I, I don't I don't doubt that we can provide some some different and, and and valuable information. And I think a lot of times it's just how you think and approach it and sort of analyze what you're literally putting your hard-earned money into and and investing into and ingesting. Yeah. So I, I, 
I really, maybe I'm, I'm definitely biased, but I, I think there's never too much that you can talk about them. Um, because I think that the most disappointing thing for me in the space is when you see people going towards things that actually further cement the biggest criticisms of the area, which is like, oh, it's all marketing, it's all lies, it's all bogus, you know, it, that stuff disappoints me as someone who's been in this for over a decade and who first started getting in and buying into that stuff. So it's almost like, and, and I've said this before, it's almost like I'm trying to protect my younger self whenever I get the opportunity to talk about them because that's that certainly is one side of the industry, but it's not the only side of the industry. Yeah, I think that's really well said because I think uh, when you first go about, at least this was me, going into the, the kind of realm of supplements, it was all kind of like very exciting. I'd try everything and then like slowly realize it's not all doing that much. And then you can almost go the pendulum swings, right? You go all in and then you're like, ah, screw supplements. They're a complete waste of money. I think kind of... Uh, we're in that evidence-based kind of niche where people kind of swing too far one way similar with like nutrient timing or like like post-workout nutrition oh it's like doesn't matter like just hit your macros by the end of the day food composition doesn't matter that much just if it fits your macros people get drawn to those extreme ideas and same with supplements and i'm definitely that person where i'm like i'm very skeptical of new ones that come out which i'm sure we'll talk a bit about but there are some that have a lot of evidence behind it and are really handy. And you have a nice background where like you can see potential ways things can work that maybe people aren't even realizing or looking at. Yeah, I think that's the irony is I think what unites all of us in fitness is that you're sort of searching for that holy grail and which holy grail you focus upon depends upon where you are in your journey. And in the beginning, I think it starts with training. And then I think it's it's ironic because it it really is this elliptical path that you don't even realize you're kind of going backward in in the times that you're going backward. Like I think the long term trend line is linear. You learn more, you tend to get better. Uh, learning probably outpaces physical progress because we know it's very slow and and can be very arduous in 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 fitness. On either side, honestly, whether it's the the tested or untested side, progress is slower than I think either side ever wants. But I think initially you get in, you start training, you love training, you see rapid progress, and you want that rapid progress to continue at that pace forever. So then you start getting into these like splitting hairs of stuff, like oh, it must be it must be the the nutrition that that's off and that needs to be perfected, and I need the perfect nutrition plan to make progress to like. That's why I've plateaued and now progress will continue again at the pace that it was before when I perfect my nutrition. Um, and then maybe you go back to the training thing. And then at a very early point in that, because supplements drive so much of the industry and the finance, and I think the psychology of fitness, that supplements are very early introduced and, and you think, oh, this is going to be the secret to unlocking that pace of progress again. And it's funny, I, I'm... I'm someone who respects the necessity of marketing and driving a business, but honestly, I hate marketing because so much of marketing is based on lies and it's based on telling people what they want to hear, not what they probably need to hear. And so again, I, I can respect the power of marketing, but I think when you let marketing take too big of the picture or you allow it to 
um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of, sort of tempt you or seduce you is probably the the, the word I'm looking for yeah. there. Then it can be very dangerous, and it can lead you down these roads to where you get to what I consider an extreme endpoint of looking at things, which is all of this is a lie. None of this is useful. None of this is. Some people will quit. Uh, you know, you get to that point where you see people in fitness, they're all in for a year or two, and then they're just, they disappear. And I think for me, it was a choice. This is my my long-winded way of getting to my original point. Um, for me, it was always, let me drive, let me dive deeper for answers. Because I think initially for me in that process, which the pro- whole process I described is true for, for me as well. But I always just dove, I, I dug deeper for answers because you will find things that that work a little bit that make you say, okay, all of this isn't, isn't bullshit or hype. And I think when I found those things, I just really had this stronger desire to determine why did that work when everything else didn't and what's unique here. And, and that just, it's almost like we have this this game, I think it's called Plinko, where you drop the ball and it just, it, it kind of bounces across sure. different things until it ultimately gets down to one. It goes down and it falls into one hole. And I think that that's how I would describe my process of getting into science. It was very indirect, but it started giving me more answers towards, oh, these are the things that unite what works. And these are the things that explain what separates things that work and don't. And that helped me sort of see past the marketing, but it's very hard to see past it initially without that because marketing is based on most conversations that you have. Um, it's based on how most people talk, how most people communicate. Like how 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 did you probably hear about supplements? It was probably in the gym saying, man, this made my veins so big, or man, this made my my bench go up by 20 pounds. That's the type of language that's used in marketing. So if everybody talks that like no one says, you know, in in a meta-analysis published by no. uh, Smith at all, like that does those conversations don't happen in the gym. You know what I mean? So I can understand why most people are turned off by it. And I think the beauty of having conversations like these is we can actually have conversations that don't need to be super technical and scientific that hopefully are more relatable. Uh, of talking about, you know, okay, why why does this work? Why does that not? And what maybe are more appropriate takeaways from either how to choose better in 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 supplements, or um, at the very least, take something more from it than just uh, a black or white answer or, or or conclusion, which is like this is everything or this is nothing. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that, and I appreciate the discussion behind marketing as well because. It's something me and uh, Pascal have often discussed is like how we're not black and white or like we don't have a thing that Revive Stronger is. We're very like in the greys and I think that harms us. And we also don't like selling because of the way you typically sell. And this is actually a question I had was surrounding influencer marketing because that's exploded like Instagram influencer marketing for like any business, small businesses, large ones. Like if you can get an influencer that people follow, like and trust and they're now promoting your product, maybe a supplement, like that's that's big. And I think, again, like, I don't know if you've seen this as well, like naturals, and I've definitely been there where naturals will look for every single supplements they can possibly take that mimic maybe steroids, but they don't want to take steroids. It's, ironic, right? yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, it's ironic. But like, if you've got a guy who is on 
you don't know what he maybe is on, but he's promoting this supplement and you're this natural guy. You're like, oh, wow, maybe that's what <laughs> led, led to that. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on influencer marketing and how that could like be a positive or negative. Yeah, I have I have a lot of thoughts on it. I guess if I'm to try to consolidate them best I can, I think first is it's a great it's a great sort of metaphor for social media the like just influence mark influencer marketing itself because i think there's this perception that as soon as you get the the whale influencer to use you know the term that app developers use it's like they want a wealthy whale to kind of back an app and and that makes it you know that makes it crush it and that's how you get ahead on all the other apps or you get a whale who who buys and gets addicted to your app and that person drives all of the finances for your app moving forward I think a lot of people tend to see influencer marketing that way when they have a business is like that is the model that needs to be used because it's the one that most people seem to be using and that's going to be the path towards success and to be honest I, from my perspective it's been a bit underwhelming i think yes does it make a difference absolutely like if you have none then you your presence suffers but i also think that people overestimate the value of conversion of a segment because you could have 200 300,000 followers but it depends what they're following you for and you know yeah that's true maybe maybe if 1% converts that's significant but there's a very big difference in the size of the company where they can justify that versus let's let's say a, a multi-million dollar or billion dollar supplement company they'll just use the scorched earth policy and they'll see everybody who's above X number of influencers and say, okay, we can gain market presence from this. It's worth it to pay this, this, this individual $5,000 a month or something or whatever. I'm just throwing numbers out there. And that may work for them because they will see the value in that because it gets more eyes on their product. Even if that person converts 1%. And they might be willing for it to be a break-even thing. But on the level that admittedly, you know, we are and, and we I always have been in de novo prior and elemental now, um, or the level I think, you know, most probably people on the podcast are, it's it's a different game to play because you can't necessarily afford to keep up with that model where you're you're paying out whatever the referral amount is of, of the people bring bring uh business in. Um, but break even might not be as appealing for us because it's, we can only do it with X amount of people. And if you rely too much on one person, it's a very small segment of that person's audience. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, unless it's like Kim Kardashian or something where yeah. 1% of her 30 million, whatever it is, maybe that is worth it. Um, but I, I do think at some point, you know, I look at trends and patterns over time and I think with every type of in every market and in every industry things survive and last and it's like everybody tries to jump in on that bandit wagon because it seems to go viral um which is is kind of a very appropriate analogy for everything internet that we're talking about and then it reaches a saturation point where everybody tries to do it and uh, and, and actually, it's a great analogy for progress in the gym as well is like 
diminishing returns. Like you have diminishing returns as well. And I think that's happening with, with, with influencer marketing is I think a lot of the audiences are getting turned off because it's, it's pervasive. Whereas like these networks started as to some degree, a way to connect with people. And now it's just become just an advertisement for everybody's everything. As soon as somebody gets Insta famous, they become a coach, they become a, uh, uh, an affiliate for, for as many products as they can. I get it. There's tons of incentivization, but I think what it, the drawback is that the audience starts to get colder and colder because they're just being constantly pitched. Like how many people do you know, other than maybe the exception with the exception being the Super Bowl, where people are like, oh man, I can't wait to see these commercials between this, this episode of the show I love. And that's kind of what social media has become to a degree, I think. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. I, I'm just, I was trying to think back to like, where was my first exposure to like influencer marketing? And maybe it was someone like Matt Ogus uh, with Gymshark yeah. or something. And uh, like it kind of spawned from there. But I know what you mean where like some of these influencers you follow online, like every post, every story is them trying to sell something else because that's how they make their living. And exactly. So you can understand it from their perspective because they're heavily incentivized for that. But at some point, if that's all your content has become, when originally it was you built an organic following for the value you provided, there's not as much value in an ad. Even if you're saying, I'm just sharing this because I like this product and I think it works and it helps me in the gym. Oftentimes, that's not how people built their audience unless you yeah. just had a review page, right? Yeah. And uh, I think it's also tough for companies like yourself where, again, you don't like marketing, you're not selling bullshit. And so the people that you're going to get to help maybe be influencer, like influencers for you and to sell it, they're also not that type of person either. So yeah. they're like, they're still, they're concerned. They don't try and bullshit their audience either. And that's why they've got that audience. And that works, but also I can see how that, like, it's almost like, if you're going to go into the supplements, you almost need to be a bit of a, it's, like to do well, it's tough. Yeah. Marketing is a necessary evil and it's a very difficult line to walk. I mean, I'd be, I'll be the first to admit that I've, I've struggled as well to, to walk that line because you need some to keep up. If, if you just say, no, I'm not going to participate at all. You definitely will suffer. Um, because like I talked about, when we kind of open the call is if you don't sort of sugar the pill, so to speak at all, you won't really drive people towards trying something new that may be beneficial and work. And so to me, the way I look at the problem, the way I frame it is if you have to do that to some degree, but know you're bringing people towards something better than everything else, I guess I can live with that more than just this empty promise where you're selling like we have these gummies in america that are apple cider vinegar gummies and they're they're promoted for everything like yeah. panacea and you you know immediately what what the strategy of that company is is like make a very low cost product and just market the shit out of it Make sure you have high margins so you could afford the marketing and just go down the hard volume route. And unfortunately, that explains a lot of the supplement industry too. I think I actually see coaching is actually not too dissimilar in that because there's a lot of online right. coaches who will 
like oversell what they're providing and things like this and it's this like we feel uncomfortable often marketing ourselves and like we don't like to exaggerate the results we're going to get with people because it's just like you're you're lying essentially or you're over you're being overzealous but at the same time it's like you mentioned i feel really confident in what we provide is better than 90 percent of what's out there so we shouldn't feel bad about ever kind of marketing and pushing ourselves there so it's you got yeah like you said it's a balance it's a crazy time to be to be alive and in business and especially in in, in a self self-employed business um because it, it is so not that I, not that i think it was necessarily the fundamentals were any different before i just think that the media was different like it was print media uh, a lot more before versus internet but yeah i think i think i think it's a struggle and the way i look at it is that and maybe this is just what gives me peace i don't know um i i genuinely do believe that when you look at at just life in general sort of you zoom out and you look at the the perspective specialization is is a fact of professional life and the thing that you tend to invest in most tends to be the thing that you will uh get back the most in return for or maybe your skill set is most most heavily complemented by so i think we do live in a very marketing based at least right now because of what the access social media has allowed we we've allowed marketing to prosper on a level that maybe it, it hasn't been as accessible before. So I think you see a lot of the marketing type people be very successful. But when I look at, and again, this is, this is a great sort of parallel to, to the supplement conversation is when I look at it, I think you also need to, to realize and consider that it's very hard to be a fantastic marketer but also a fantastic like we'll we'll use the line you were going down a fantastic coach because you're asking someone to be specialized in two very almost contradictory areas where you're a fantastic marketer but you're a fantastic understander of physiology and science and and practical implementer i'm not saying it's impossible but it's i think there's reasons that specialization exists and that reason is that it's very hard to be phenomenal in every domain. So I continue to believe, and I think just the fact that I've been able to exist in the supplement space for a decade would at least somewhat back that up is, I think the the really the best path and the best way to manage it is, is just be great at something. Um, so you, it's probably true, you won't be, as financially successful if you can't market as heavy but i still think you can carve a niche out for yourself if you are very good at something in that space like you found me <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean like i don't market I, I don't really talk about myself very much in terms of supplements but because of my work in supplements it led us to kind of getting connected i think it's probably the longer road in it and it's um arguably more work but at the very least then it's something you can live with, right? The 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 return is something you can live with. But uh, yeah, again, 
you know, to to sort of recycle points in the conversation. I think avoiding marketing altogether will will be difficult. Do you not see the progress you would like? Are you sick of writing your own programs? Or perhaps you need some accountability in order to stick with the plan? Then it's time to start working with us. We at Revive Stronger offer a truly personalized coaching service. You'll get more than just an email with some macros or random cookie cutter program. With Revive Stronger, you will be the center of our attention. You will receive your own fully individualized training protocol alongside a customized nutritional strategy. We created the coaching around your needs, wants, personal preferences, and your own unique lifestyle. Every single week, we delve into your program in order to make appropriate adjustments so that we get the most out of your time and the best possible outcome. We help both female and male athletes to seriously change their body composition by adding more muscle mass and decreasing fat tissue. No matter if you're a competitive bodybuilder or just want to look better, if you need help with your progress and taking your physique to the next level, our coaching is for you. It's time to make a change, sign up today and let's revive stronger. This is a, this is along the same route, but I didn't. I just thought of this. It's a, something I've discussed before with other people. Is I have seen in the fitness industry and fitness space, and I wonder if this is something. It, I would never. It would be hard to do it for you or, or myself. But where I see people, they go down this kind of dogmatic, kind of overzealous, like almost to that point of lying and that marketing route, mm-hmm. and then they pull back, and then they go back to where we are maybe now. And then it's like they built that audience off all of that. And now they're like, actually, they pull themselves back and then they level the playing field. It's like, I don't know if that actually works because I wonder if the audience they built is then turned off by them, then changing a little bit. But I have seen people grow names that way where or grow brands where it's like they kind of push something that isn't completely true. And then they're like, uh, and I don't know if it's a strategy or they've just like learned <laughs> that actually this isn't the way to go. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's the difficulty of it, too, is it's very hard to know people's intent. And I think the longer I've been involved in the space, the more I I just try to temper my my analysis of that, Uh, because I think when you when you do go down um, the let's just say the academic route of things, you you oftentimes see that is as soon as people start going down that route, there, there tends to be this sort of uh, superiority complex that starts to develop where I know science, I know technical things, you're, you're wrong. You, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. And I've seen the products of that and, and at extremes that can be very bad as well. So it, that I feel a lot better about that situation specifically than someone who just goes in and lies and then just lies deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, cause at least, at least that person that, that, um, example, that fictitious example is potentially somebody who's, who has seen the light and said, okay, I have this audience now I, I can actually provide them, uh, better, better answers and direction. Whereas like now I accept that I was way off on these things. Uh, I think that's a lot healthier of, of, uh, of an influencer, let's say, than, yeah. than one who just knows that they can convert out max if they keep selling out. And actually, I guess uh, something that's been interesting over the last years is like science. Yeah, I guess science and figures and that sort of thing has always been like a marketing tool for people, but it's almost become like evidence-based. It's become like a way to sell like supplements it's it's a market yeah it's it's totally a marketing strategy it it's it's amazing 
to see the, the supplement industry I originally came involved became involved with it looked wide open from my perspective because the way I saw it was you just have to be honest and make something effective and no one's really doing this so like this is a no-brainer like I could I could both morally live with this path and I can do things that I know are meaningful and will be helpful and they're not even that difficult to do as long as I could figure out ways to get a product made and, and get it out to to uh to the market but yeah i think with really the past five ten years what i have called the fitness renaissance um it, it has now become a marketing thing like science-based formulation evidence-based formulation and i think a lot of good has come with it like i do think from at least on the supplement side i think I guess I'd say on the coaching side too, I think interventions have improved in coaching. And I think overall, I think formulations have improved for sure because the the market has demanded that. But it's not a it's it's not a perfect world. When do we ever get it perfectly right? You know? And so I think I think ironically, we have more information than ever now but we have less sort of wisdom where you know you can log in and you could see a a slide deck on instagram that gives you university and beyond level information but none of the context in the introductory courses you would have had that led to those conclusions so you know the answer but not the reasoning behind it and i think that can be dangerous and that's why a lot of times you see people know the right answer but then get into an argument on a lot of the rationale and reasoning behind it because they don't know they know that they're objectively right but they don't know why yeah. <laughs> and um it, it's very fascinating like a lot of times i'll log in and i'll be like oh, okay that's enough internet for today <laughs> i wish yeah that's the the downside also of being like self-employed and knowing that yeah. social media is where you market. So it's like, it's a necessary evil in some ways. Um, the the route I was kind of going down with that as well is it, it's not, people will use science, but it isn't even like, especially with supplementation, people will pick at any paper they possibly can to support a yeah. supplement. And I know you kind of went in depth about tercesterone and the ecosteroids, but that, again, that's that nat naturals looking at something and it's like, oh, something that's a steroid, but not a steroid that I can potentially take and it's going to have steroid-like effects. And even companies, I was surprised how quickly some relatively big companies picked up on that and basically just took on people's like insecurities. Like, again, a lot of natty insecurity, like I'm going to jump on, on this and jump on it. I don't know if you saw that as well. I think everybody wants the results that anabolic anabolics promise but not everybody's willing to use anabolics so when you have something that you can potentially market in a way that you say rivals that type of results there will always be a demand for that in in the community always and i think i don't have any of the data to, to know for sure but i guarantee that both sides of the market were buying tercesterone. I bet people who were on and not on were using it because 
the people who are on would say, oh, well, I'll just get even yeah. better efficacy from from my stack, my, my drug stack. And the people who weren't would say, oh, well, I'm going to get steroid-like gains. So, yeah, that demand always exists. And I think you see that in every facet. Because when I look at the supplement industry, I really sort of compartmentalize each category where I think in muscle builders, people want the next creatine because creatine has been the standard. So everybody wants the thing that's going to be safe, effective, and work in almost every study we've you've done on it. And it, it's sort of undeniable. And then in energy products, everybody wants the next ephedra or DMAA uh, because they make you feel good. They're euphoric. You know, they're highly stimulatory. They they give you all they, they really they hit on a lot of the promises in, in, in the marketing. And, you know, you could go you could go through every category with with those examples of those things. So. I think. It's 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 an interesting place to try to walk when you formulate and make products too, because I'm looking for things that can give people that too. And like you said, it's disappointing to see people jump as soon as they have the first inclination that someone could sell, that they can sell somebody on that idea without really having enough to back up that, okay, there's there's really something here more than just people will buy this because I have enough to sell it. And I think we, you know, another great example was during COVID when you saw a lot of companies really capitalize on immune support and immunity. And I'm seeing it even on like protein RTDs now, like immune support is like in bold. And then they say like with micronutrients for immune immune function. Um, so you saw people selling zinc supplements and everything in this like guise that it's going to help you avoid COVID or something. and to really bring that back to what our kind of main point of conversation was was intended to be is i do think that's that's telling like when you're looking for when you're trying to really make better decisions in in buying supplements and get what you're supposedly paying for i think that is a a really good distinguishing point to support and buy from a company or not is do they capitalize on things that as a great business opportunity or as an opportunity to actually provide something helpful and valuable to people um and like to give some more practical examples is like i think if you've seen companies who have sold stuff on on the band list like fenibit was one that you know, is is technically not supposed to be in supplements or, or racetams like paracetam, pramaracetam, uh, SARMs, companies in the past who were selling um, pro hormones and stuff like that. I think when you see the business model adapt to whatever is working at that time, that would have raised flags for me as a consumer because it would tell me they're just trying to sell me whatever they know is going to sell, not not what's actually going to be best for me. So I think that's a very, very, a very good first level of just like market analysis by a consumer is like, what have they sold in the past? What's been their reputation? And have they been consistent in, in, in their position? Yeah, I think that's, it, it's a tricky one because 
like as a, I don't know, if you're looking from the outside in as an economist or whatever, it's like supply and demand. Like if people are going to demand it, like it's a free market, like they should do their research or whatever. And yeah. I do think there is something for the consumers to be like, don't just trust everyone you hear. But it's also yeah. challenging because people will put like a P mid whatever, just like they put it at the end uh, and people will never read the studies and let alone like I won't understand the study. And uh, we need people like you, Ben, to be able to like, dig through it and explain it or like the guys at mass who are reviewing this research yep. but again people will use that as like their way of being like oh no it works look at this like study here and it's like well, you know no one's going to check that out like you could just write anything there definitely I, I think there's things again to try to really take the practical road on this i think there's things that are better left for the the professionals in the field and i think then i think there's things that everybody can do and I think the things that everybody can do where you don't need a technical background or any of that is honestly, if you're trying to get the best product possible, ignore the packaging, ignore the text and the cell um, in terms of like when you read the website and the website write up, ignore that. The, the, the best possible thing you have as a consumer where they're legally required to disclose the information is the supplement facts panel. So. Like really read that and just look at, for example, if you're buying protein, do some simple math, look at the serving size, look at how much percent of it is actually protein. That's a very simple one. Um, yeah, you got to flavor things to make them taste good and stuff. But if someone's saying we sell the purest, most effective, best protein, and it's like 60% protein by weight, it's a lie. So you could immediately ignore all the texts and everything that company tells you just by looking at the supplement facts panel and and seeing in there, okay, does this back up what maybe those those words or marketing says? Um, I think another one is, uh, you know, if you're diehard for wanting to absolutely ensure that something is backed up by more layers of protection, um, using products with licensed ingredients will add a layer of protection for you for example a product that sells pre appear that's definitely going to be creatine monohydrate we don't really have an issue with with fake creatine monohydrate being sold in the past we had the protein spiking sort of um uh, uh, what's the word i'm looking for was it amino spiking or whatever it was yeah 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 uh, um controversy is what we had the protein oh, spike controversy which has gotten better over time to my understanding to my knowledge i don't see as many companies doing it um so yeah i mean license will will protect you from that um to a degree but you're going to pay more for it so if you're on a budget then you probably won't go for licensed stuff but if you're saying i want the best supplements no matter the cost i'd probably err on the side of licensed everything um, I think, I think in that same vein, stuff that does additional testing is going to give you that layer of protection. So there are consumer consumer protective based companies out there that really just function as a watchdog of the industry that are independent. Uh, one of those is USP. USP is sort of like the highest standard. They they have strict guidelines for both pharmaceuticals and supplements. 
You won't see a lot of supplements with USP verification. Usually it's just vitamins and minerals. Those are also easier to verify because it's usually single ingredient. That's another big rabbit hole we can go down if you want to of why why single ingredient products are easier to promise their potency than a multi-ingredient you know, blend. Um, so USP is very good if you're buying just um, individual nutrients, you know, vitamins, minerals, amino acids. There's uh, Consumer Lab is a, is a really good watchdog. They just pull stuff off the shelves and test, and then they 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 uh, print reports of you know whether these things tested out or not. And they do it on like really all the the big popular supplements like creatine, fish oil, CLA. They won't really get into the nuance of stuff like turkesterone or you know those I'd say very niche categories of stuff. Um, NSF is one that does safe for sport. There's now more competitors for that. So, you know, if you're a drug tested athlete and you really want to ensure protection, there's um, there's NSF, there's uh, BSCG. I mean, any of those that that just of those seals or that those those extra testings, I, I think that just shows that the company is is making an effort to go above what the expectation is, because the reality is you don't have to do those things. You don't have to test. You really just have to prove that it's not contaminated. Um, so you need to do a microbiological. That's a requirement by the FDA. Um, and you need a certificate of analysis, which can definitely be fabricated. Um, that says it's just a printout of a paper that says this tested out and this is the identity of what it says to be. But a lot of those documents come from China and there has been issues before, uh, especially not so much on the human nutrition side, but on the animal, like they were putting melamine in animal uh, food products and, you know, people's pets died. Melamine is like wow. a very, a very nitrogenous compound that's toxic. So when you test it out for protein content, crude protein, it tests out as very high in nitrogen, but it's actually not protein. <laughs> it's, Damn. you know, it's poison. So, um, yeah, I, I think... I think those are the things you can really pull from the label is the supplement facts panel, look at the ingredients and then just check for additional certifications. But I think the problem is marketing. Like when you go into a Walmart, they make it so confusing for the consumer because they'll have all their own seals that they made up. Like they just rendered in a graphics program. That's like, it looks like a seal of drug tested and it's just the company's version yeah. of a seal that isn't this independent third-party thing man it's like I, I walk through and i'm like oh my god <laughs> they, they just make it harder and harder to really educate um and yeah a lot of it's built on confusing people and unfortunately i think the consumer is nine times out of ten if you're seeing i don't know you're going for a certain product if it's the to you it's the same product so you're just going to go for the cheaper one and most people i think just trust that it is what it is. Like you expect to buy what you like expect to buy. But I think a lot of people are unaware how poorly, like you said, uh, it's regulated in that regard. So I would say that I think I think you bring up a really good point. I would say if you don't if if you're not price shopping, go with licensed, especially if it's botanical, because botanical ensures a level of standardization. Standardization just means that there's a certain amount of whatever active ingredient in that herb. Let's say it's uh, like ginseng. Uh, gin ginsenosides are the active in that. 
it will guarantee that if it's licensed, that they test it out and make sure that every batch they produce is at least X percent uh, active ingredient. So licensing does give you especially a layer for botanicals, a layer of protection. Um, less so with with raw material single ingredients like creatine or or beta alanine because the generics usually are still 100% that. But like I said, if you're not price shopping, it's just the safest option, go licensed. If you are price shopping, you can still buy the generic, but just make sure you have a level of a second level of guarantee that it's in there. That means that it's been tested by the company, that they they do third party testing um, for potency or that it's been tested like some of those that I've talked about. Um, I know Labdoor for a while was a popular one. You know, check Consumer Lab. Um, these these all have databases of products that have been tested um, off the shelves, or just this is the simplest one. And and I think this is again, this is something everybody can do. It just takes more effort. Reach out to the company, ask them before you buy their product. Ask them to produce some some uh, some lab work that that shows that their product has what they're saying in it. You would be shocked the response you get, or like the 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 route that they'll go down, their customer service will go down to try to avoid um, actually oh, wow. producing that work for you. So I think if you're really worried about getting, which you should be really worried about getting good products and getting stuff that's legitimate is just reach out to the company before you purchase and see the response you get. And I think a lot of people would be shocked. Losing weight fast while maintaining muscle mass. Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? It isn't though, it's reality and we know how to do it. And we will help you achieve this. The Minicup Movement is an eight week fat loss program to make you lose a huge chunk of fat while maintaining muscle mass at the same time. We will support you from the beginning to the end so that you see the results you would like to and come out of it much stronger. You will receive a fully automated spreadsheet that is based on your nutritional needs. You can choose between six different male and female training templates. Over 30 videos will guide you through each and every single step of the minicup so that you're getting the most out of your journey and that you always know what to do. But the best thing is that you can start whenever you want. The minicup movement is open 24-7. So if you want to learn more or you're ready to sign up, hit the link in the description below. So let's revive stronger together.